Ugh. Episode 26. How about Happy New Year or something? Let's, let's start off a little bit joyous, Zach. It would be a Happy New Year if Murata scored his his three golden chances. My voice, just a heads up, like we had audio problems last week, and this week obviously, obviously they're fixed, but my voice is just gone from that match. Yeah, honestly, not the best start uh, to 2018, but uh, I think we had a really good 2017, if I'm uh, being yeah, honest. Yeah, we uh, won the title. Looking back, what, what do you think your favorite moment of uh, the year was? Um, it's probably going to be a toss-up between Hazard uh, putting Coquelin and spinning Koscielny three times and mm-hmm. scoring against Arsenal. That was a big one. Right. But probably, I, I, I already said that before. I already mentioned it as like my mm-hmm. favorite Chelsea memory and recent memory. But I think Alonso scoring the game winner at Wembley was, I think that was huge. Yeah, against Tottenham. Yeah. Yeah, that was, that was great. And that was this season, I mean. But my, I think my favorite has to be uh, Nishi Batshuayi's goal uh, to win the title last year against West Brom. Wow, your your best friend. Nishi. <laughs> I know. It, I think that's one of my. That's probably why it's my favorite moment because it's a, it's a guy who you I always, always hate on. Shit about. I always hate on him so much, and he always comes through when I least expect him to. So uh, you know, those are the kind of surprises that I love. I think I think you should go back to hating on him though, because ever since he started praising him, he hasn't really gotten a run in. And right. right now, he looks like he's. Might be more. You're absolutely right. I, I hate him. Murata. I hate him. Cool. Oh. Damn. All right. Yeah. Speaking of Murata, um, so we, we we recorded. We plan on recording this right after the Arsenal match. So we just we just finished watching it. It just happened, and we are still in our raw emotions after watching it. So this is this is the best you guys are gonna get um, out of any any episode probably. Um, so let's start off. Let's talk about um, Murata. I mean, what what the, what just happened? He had three wide open chances, um, missed the target completely two of the times, and then the last chance he had, um, which would have been the game winner, right after Arsenal scored. You know, he literally could have kicked it anywhere else. Besides, right at Peter Cech's face. Well, I mean, if he kicked it anywhere else, it probably would have been off target like his first two ones. <laughs> no, but... The... Dude, I don't know what's going on. Three opportunities. I mean, if he if he nets one of them, we're walking away He's with three points. He's an instant legend. He's a legend for life at Stamford Bridge if he nets one of them. A game and, winner at the Emirates. And it's it's the complete in, opposite in, now. In, in extra time. And now it's the complete opposite. He's He's... I think most Chelsea fans are going to be wa- who watch this match. They're going to have say, a close eye on him from now on. What the hell did we spend all this money to bring him in? If the only way he can score is with his head, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna sit here and slag off Murata for being a crap striker because he's not, and I'm not a stupid Chelsea Twitter troll like everyone else out there. <laughs> um, he has a lot of class and he has a lot of abilities that he brings at his club that improve the team. But he's also a striker whose play is purely based on confidence. And that's something that's very different than we had to Diego Costa. Mm-hmm. Diego Costa was one of those strikers that when he did lack confidence, he still found ways to score. Um, and most of the time they were ugly. And I think that's something uh, in Maratha's game that he's actually missing. I think he lacks the ability to score an ugly goal. He's too handsome. It's unfortunate. <laughs> It's a blessing and a curse. Some normally I would be down to joke around, but right now I'm in no fucking around mode. So going back to Murata, I mean, I still think he has a lot to work on and improve on. Um, and one of which is 
being scoring more scoring more ways than one. Like he does not have that ability to score an ugly goal, and and it's very concerning. Um, you got to have that little bit of scrappiness mm-hmm. and uh, and perseverance to just kind of you know scrape the ball into the net or poke it into the net or bundle it over. Any like you you fill in the blank. I mean, he, he doesn't has, have that. He has ten ten goals this season, right? Yeah, he does. And, and six so, of them have come from that exact uh, Aspilicueta pass with yeah. the head. Okay, so only four of them are non Aspi assisted goals. I think only one or two of them were th- with his feet. You know, most of all, I think all almost all of them were with his head. Yeah, it, 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 it's concerning. I mean, it's not something that I'm gonna dwell about. It's not something that I'm gonna. I'm not going to blame the loss on Murata like a lot of other people are. I mean, I am still in my raw emotion. I'm blaming him. And and, and what did I say at the time when Murata missed uh, all three golden opportunities? Uh, pretty then, then you said, what the fuck just happened? I said, what the fuck just happened? <laughs> and I said, he sucks. Yeah. And I must have screamed, he sucks, like maybe five or six <laughs> different times at one point in the game. But it's so obviously you- not what I think of him as a player. It's just like that. It's just very, very frustrating to see a striker struggle like that you know coming from madrid hefty price tag these are the games where he has to turn up and and, and as of now we i don't think we've seen the best of him or, or even remotely close um but i am going to give him time it, it's his first season so so that's the only reason why i'm not completely coding him right now but what do you Yeesh. think i mean I think uh, remember remember a couple of years ago uh phil jones made that tackle i think it was against arsenal actually uh, he literally, like, he was tripping, and he literally slid on his face to head the ball away from the attacking player. It, I, it turned into one of it turned into like one of like the most popular memes of the yeah year. yeah. I mean, uh, it was like it was against Giroud actually, so it was against Arsenal, ironically. But uh, I think Murata should uh, take note on how to shoot like that. You know, he's got a wide open chance, just slide on your face and use your head if that's the only way you can score. Because you know, he should be scoring these sitters, and it's yeah, it's like you know. I mean, Honestly, the first one was a gi- the first one was a gift. I know. I mean, the first one was such a gift, and after he s- missed the goal, like the whole Emirates stadium, like there was no ooze or ahs after, like it was just dead silent, and, and you could tell all the Arsenal fans there were just like, "Wow!" Like, I-, I I can't believe what just happened. Yeah, you know, obviously Arsenal is uh, really thin right now on that back line, um, with Coughlin being out, and um, who else is out? Uh, Coquelin, Kosione, yeah, I mean, and Nacho Monreal, right? So and, and Kolasinac. So they are, you know, they're playing their one of their worst back lines, and they looked awful today. And the fact that we are only able to score uh, two goals with when our we had so with our two ch- most creative players in the game, yeah. In Susk and I think I was so I'm I'm so disappointed with this uh with this result. Um, they th- that back line was so awful. Like they they were literally like. One of the worst back three I've ever seen this season. Yeah. Um. So, I mean, it wasn't. I don't think it was all bad though. Um. We had a, a great showing by Zapacosta. I think. Um. He came in uh, in around the 70th minute uh, or 75th minute. I think. Um. He played. His ass off. He played out of his mind, honestly. Yeah. Uh, it was the 56th minute he came in. Actually, we've been waiting for this. To be fair, I mean, I mean, we we we've been waiting for Zapacosta to just kind of like come on and grab a game by the scruff of the neck because he he does have the ability. I mean, this guy's pace is just it takes a while for those wheels to get spinning, but once they do, I don't I don't think there's many players on Chelsea's squad that are faster than him in a straight line sprint. Mm-hmm. Um, and his crossing ability today was just 
you know, everything that we applauded him for, you know, when the transfer ha initially happened earlier this year, his crossing was awesome. Yeah. Every single time he got the ball, he sprayed a dangerous ball into the box. And that, I mean, the first ball he played into Bakioko, who laid it off to Conte. That was a, that was a nice little interchange. Yeah, that was that was a really good decision, I think, by Zapacosta and by Bakioko. Yeah. And yeah. I just want to point out real quick that I think Bakioko had a really nice match today too. I mean, he didn't do much. Struggled beyond, a bit in the first. Right. Time. I mean, he, we've talked about this. He has the instinct to make the run and to get into right position. He just doesn't have that uh like finishing ability that is required for him to score goals. And uh, yeah. I don't know if he'll ever get that. Um, I think it's asking too much. I think that natural ability to finish is just something that you're born with. And it's not really something you could teach. You know, it's not. Yeah. We were actually talking about this during the game. You know, we actually had a little debate on whether, you know, we think Bakioko could be a, a potential goal scoring midfielder for us. And he gets himself into those positions, but his finishing ability is so poor. Um, Especially with his feet to the point where I only think he's good for about four or five goals a season, maybe off a couple set pieces or mm -hmm. broken plays and whatnot. Um, and, um, but, but know, I mean, I, I want to go back to Zapacosta. Yeah, because Victor Moses, um, he, he looked like he was on skates for most of the match. Um, he, Maitland he Niles, he actually looks like a player. Yeah, he, he, uh, he, he was pretty good. Solid. Um, and, you know, right when they put Zapacosta in, I mean, he, he played well on the defensive end and. Um, you know, he's coming off that, that 90th minute goal against Stoke. That's his first, that was his first Premier League goal. With his and then, foot. yeah. And then, uh, a lovely, lovely assist to Alonzo, um, who will, we'll get into Alonzo in a little bit after this, but, um, our new starting number nine, Alonzo. <laughs> he should honestly, I mean, but, uh, yeah, I mean, he, I think that past two, uh, matches that he's played in, it's, it's, uh, I mean, do you think that we should be like thinking about possibly starting him or is he just like a really good super sub say why not um why not start him yeah i mean uh, against norwich coming up i i think maybe we should give victor moses another game and then possibly give zapacosta a more important match against arsenal mm -hmm. um in the uh in the carabao cup i i like him i've always been a fan of zapacosta the the thing is is it is his first season, and it is very tough to come off of the bench and make an impact from the widest position on the field at wing back. Mm -hmm. Wing back is tough because you're not only running your ass up and down the field for the full ninety minutes; you're playing a true box to box role, but you're also defending when you need to, dropping it, dropping back and forming a back five, or you're pushing up and forming a front four. Um, it's very, very difficult to come into that position with no rhythm whatsoever and make an instant impact. And he did that today. And he did it against Stoke as well, although Stoke was very depleted. Yeah. I would like to give him a little bit more time. I don't think he's a better player than Moses. I still think Moses has a lot more to offer us than Zapacosta does. Mm -hmm. And I, there are two very different players, but I would not be opposed to having Zapacosta play in the more important games, especially considering the fact that he's more of a natural, a natural um, defender than Victor Moses is. Mm -hmm. And and Marcos Alonso again with another goal. Um, yeah, seventh of the season. Um, I I I'm loving the form that he's in right now. Um, and you kind of joked about playing him up up top at the at the nine, but like honestly, the way you know the way he made that finish, that's like a striker's finish. The run know? was the the run was beautiful. I mean, uh -huh. he just kind of he hung around the penalty area. He saw Zapacosta beat his man, and then he just made a quick two or three yard sprint to the front post and. 
all of a sudden he has a he has a tap in. Oh, and also Williams ball to set that up to Zapacosta. Oh, that was was sublime. That that's that's the kind of stuff that William needs to do a lot more. And I mean, he has he has been. I I I was saying you know from about the 70th minute onwards that we needed to get William onto the field one way or another, whether mm-hmm. it was going three four three and pulling off Bakioko or. Yeah, you know, throwing him on for Hazard, and we opted to throw him on for Hazard, and it it did kind of pay off because we we scored one goal two minutes two minutes after he came on we exactly, scored. and you know we created a lot of opportunities after he was off. Really quick though, um, here in the United States, I don't know, you know, wherever else you guys are listening, we have Robbie Earl and Robbie Musto as our post match commentators on NBC <laughs> Sports. I just want to say something really quick. <laughs> they need besides the fact that they're that they're commentating and, and analysis today was absolute garbage they never seem to give credit where credit's due for Chelsea it just seems like they're like they have some kind of I know it sounds really lame but they do have some kind of vendetta out for us mm-hmm. right like it's that typical media nonsense where Chelsea's a bad guy and we still have that stain in the media because of the whole Mourinho era and you know the Diego Costa saga and whatnot, and and that's still all recent memory, and rightly so. But I mean, come on! I, the first thing Robbie Earl said today was Arsenal created more chances than Chelsea. I went online and I looked up the post-match stats. Chelsea had three more shots than Arsenal did. We had the same amount of shots on target. Arsenal only had two more corners. We had nine percent possession, or we were we had forty-one percent possession compared to Arsenal's fifty-nine. You explain to me how they created more chances. Fabregas by himself created as many chances as all of Arsenal did together. How many did he have? Six. Six. And Arsenal created six. Six chances. Created. Six chances. It's and just it's just bullshit. Like I mean, look at the look at this like. Did he watch the game? Like I don't know. It's this. It's this hypnosis I, I, in football now, where where people go around and they see a team that has a lot of possession and do a lot of pretty passes yeah. and tricks and flicks, and all of a sudden they're they're immediately the better team I because think, they have possession. I think we knew going into this game that we were going to allow them to hold the ball as much as possible and try to score in counters. Um, so I mean, the fact that they had more possession than us is not a surprise at all. This is this is an interesting thing, though, is because. Like I said, ever since Barcelona came about, and I might have brought this up a couple times before, but ever since Barcelona came out with that whole Pep era, you know, the 2008-2009 Barcelona team, that pretty tiki-taka style, a lot of teams have been trying to emulate it, and the one that's been emulating it the most has been Arsenal. And people think that Arsenal are this world superpower in football because they play possession style, and they score pretty goals, and they have flashy players, and, you know... Pretty, you know, a, a pretty stadium, and it's it's all nonsense. Th- this whole idea of possession means three points, and it means that that team is better in football. It needs to stop, and yeah. it needs to stop now because I think out of you look at the most recent, uh, the the most recent successful teams in football. You look at Real Madrid, a team that doesn't have possession of the ball when they play in big matches. Um, they won two Champions Leagues in a row. They won two La Ligas in a row. Absolutely. You look at teams like Chelsea. We won two titles in the last three years playing a defensive style of football, hitting teams on the counter with pace and with precision. It's, it's, it's nonsense to me. And I feel like that's part of what the media bias is. Just because Arsenal looks like they're more fun to watch on TV, that all of a sudden they're the better team. And that's not the case. If you break it down and you look at the metrics and the stats, we had one player on our team create as many chances as their team as a whole. We had three more shots with with way less possession than them. 
It's just, mm-hmm. it's very irritating. And I didn't even intend to go on a rant like this, but it's just something I wanted to get off my chest because it's, it's fucking irritating. You know, personally, I don't really pay attention to what the commentators say, to be completely honest. I'm more like into the game and I don't watch any of the post-match uh, commentary or anything like that. Or I don't really pay attention during halftime either. But um, yeah, I mean, I, I couldn't agree with you more. I think that uh, the commentators are a bit biased against us. Um, let, let's get into... Uh, this penalty because Eden Hazard, this was his first goal ever at the Emirates Stadium, but uh, came off a controversial, or uh, according to Arsenal fans, very controversial penalty. According and to Arsene Wenger, farcical. Far- <laughs> farcical. I Which mean, it's very interesting. If anything's farcical, it's his farcinal team. Like farcinal. I think that should be that should be a new name, be right? Name. Um. So, I mean, yeah, sure. I think that was a soft penalty. I mean. That's he, fair. he 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 emph- he overemphasized the contact, but you know if you're looking at the rule of the law of you know of soccer of a penalty, that was textbook. He you know Bellerine, you just he 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 wrecked the bottom of his foot going for that ball. He didn't even touch him. I mean touch the ball, and it's you know textbook penalty. Whether he overemphasized and uh, you know overblemished the, the the contact is 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 irrelevant, honestly. If 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 Hazard kept on going with the, without the ball, I think that should have still been a penalty. Um, what do you think? Would you have given that if if you were? Uh... I think you got to look at a penalty t- two ways. Did it impede Hazard's pattern of play? Yes. Yes. Of course. And here's another argument that comes up often in football. Often in football is, if that foul was committed outside of the 18 yard box, would it still have been called a foul? Yeah, probably. A hundred percent. I think it was a penalty. I I think every Arsenal fan needs to shut the fuck up because in general. honestly, like in general, but also in this situation because it was a penalty. I, I get it. Last week maybe you were a little hard done by. That's another soft penalty, right? But a penalty nonetheless. And now you come into this game and you give up another penalty. Look, Bellerin missed the ball completely. Completely. He kicked the bottom of Hazard's foot. Whether it was enough to go down or not, it was still a foul. And the ref called it. And he had a good view of it. And it was spot on by him. Whether whether he called the rest of the game spot on or not, mm-hmm. that's still up for debate. But if you're asking me what I have given it, every single time I would have given it. I mean, it's a penalty. A player swinging his foot, you know, up to another player's waist level, you know, like his foot is two or three feet off of the ground. If it makes any sort of contact, even if it grazes the stud, it's still a penalty for me. So Yeah, I mean, if anything, I think Arsenal fans should be a little bit more um, pissed off at the lack of self-control by their back line because they've, they've given up the most penalties um, in the Premier League right now, I think, or tied with the most penalties in the Premier League right now um, after this one. So, um, you know, if there's anyone Arsenal fans should be uh, mad at it should be their own back line um, because this is not the first time they've they've given up penalty like this yeah um let's move on because uh, i think courtois um i think he was probably the man of the match i think i think uh, that's fair yeah and uh, you know, he made he made two or three cr- very crucial saves that saved us the game um that one against lacazette um the save against uh Alexis Sanchez in the beginning that du- that cr- hit double posts, which was which I, I think I laughed the hardest at. That was probably one of the most 
I mean, uh, the laugh was kind of like a nervous laugh. <laughs> the fact that the happened it so early. It sounded something along the lines of, <laughs> <laughs> and he might have done it for like ten or fifteen <laughs> seconds straight. I like looked at him and like, dude, shut the fuck up. I'm trying to watch this game. But yeah, I mean, going back to Courtois, like this is proof that he's a world class goalkeeper and. It's very unfortunate that these links with Madrid keep popping up because you don't find world-class goalkeepers very often. And I know I said last week, like, you know, it might be a little easier to replace him than Hazard, um, which I still think is a relevant argument to have. I mean, which one would you rather let walk and which one would you rather hold on to? Mm -hmm. I would hold on to Hazard, but at the same time, that doesn't mean that it's easy at oh, all yeah. to get a goalkeeper of Courtois stature. I, I I still think that there are other goalkeepers out there that could hit that world class level, but there's no straight swap for losing a goalkeeper like Thibaut Courtois. No way. Um, so yeah, you know, I mean, his, his wife and his kids—they're still—they're still living in Madrid. Yeah. Um, which is he, huge. Yeah, and you know, and I think and Chelsea offered him a big contract, um, and which would have made him, I think, the top paid uh, goalkeeper in the Premier League, and still has not committed long term to Chelsea, which is a big worry to us. Um, I, I, I'm, I'm like every day I'm checking to see like what happens. And it's, it's like one of the most nerve, you know, nerve breaking things is just imagine him leaving. Um, because without him, we would have lost, but, um, maybe if we had a different striker too, we would have won also. I don't know. This is, <laughs> this is something that is, is kind of irritating and, you know, you, you look at our transfer business as of late, like there's a few obvious holes in the squad that need to be filled. And if we lose Courtois this summer. That's just going to leave another huge gap to fill. And, and knowing our board's lack of, I don't know how you want to say it, like their, like their lack of, I don't know, eagerness to get transfer moves out of the way early. Yeah. It's very concerning because if we lose a goalkeeper like Courtois, it's not going to take long. It, it, it's going to take a long time for us to get a replacement. We don't make we don't make our business early on in the window anymore, and we still have to address all these other spots in our squad. And the fact that we didn't do it last summer is already handicapping us as is. Now, if we lose Courtois, that's another huge, huge blow. Yeah, uh, I, I, I I think it's a matter of if and not when. I think it's just yeah. like another Hazard situation. I, I, think, I think we have a better right. chance of keeping Hazard, mainly because, you know, you look at Madrid, you look at Barcelona, you look at Bayern Munich, and they have a knack for buying players. You know, uh, Barcelona and Madrid have a knack for buying Spanish players, and um, Bayern Munich has a knack for buying a lot of, you know, young German talent, which they're proving to do already. Mm-hmm. Um, so, th I mean, that's like my only last hope on holding on to Hazard. But Courtois, man, I mean, unbelievable game today. And, and he proved to everybody why he's world class. Yeah. And, and it's going to be really unfortunate, you know, when he winds up leaving. And I know I know we moved on from the, the that penalty talk, but I just wanted to make a quick point. Um, if anyone watched the post-match interview, um, they interviewed Bellerin and uh, Hazard together. I mean, how... How do they even do that? That uh, guy's getting a promotion. Yeah, or a raise or something. I mean, that was one of the most the uh, awkward. I mean, they started off. It's actually just playing on the TV right now behind Zach. But they started off with just Bellerin. And you, you think it, they, they just brought him afterwards because, you know, he scored the game time goal. And then they zoom out and Hazard standing right next to him. And uh, it's so honest. awkward. It's so funny. They they asked, asked, oh, they asked, oh, it, it, do you think it was a penalty? And Hazard's like, yes, it was a penalty. And Bellerin's 
sitting there shaking. <laughs> no, yeah, they asked Bellerin first. They asked Bellerin first, and they're like, "Yeah, we need to see the replay." And then Hazard's like, "We don't need to see replay." It was a penalty. And they asked if they asked Hazard if Chelsea deserved to win. He's like, "Yes, of course, we deserve to win that one." And I mean, that was that is one of the most awkward post-match interviews I've ever seen. I hope someone slips a cyanide pill in Hector Bellerin's water bottle. Ooh, oh yeah, but not non-lethal, right? Because we wouldn't support that. Just like make him sick in this the next match against us. Uh, Make them really sick, dude. That that's accomplice <laughs> liability. Uh, we, we can't we can't let that uh, go through. So mm, if you guys, are, if anyone talk. is if anyone is going through with that, let's just do like non lethal. All right, non lethal. Just do it. <laughs> so after <laughs> after this match, um, obviously we only walked away with one point. Um, that's very unfortunate because now we're sitting in third. Um, United, you know, although they're only one point away, one point ahead of us now. Um, they got that plus four goal difference. Man United, by the way, yeah. So what, I, what did I say? Uh, you kind of mumbled it. Oh, man, yeah, Man United, um, one point ahead of us now in second, um, and they they've got a plus four goal differential. Um, you know, if we would have won this, of course, we would have ended up in second. Um, I mean, I do you still think at this point? I mean. We thought we thought De Bruyne was going to be out for a while um, after that last Man City match. He came back. He's fine. Mm-hmm. Um, Gabriel Jesus is going to be out for a little bit. Four to six weeks. I, I think thought I thought that was going to be an opportunity for us to maybe close the gap a little bit. What do you think? I mean, do you think there's still any hope, or it's 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 pretty completely that door is completely closed? I mean, at to this say point? that the door is completely closed would be false because mathematically there still is a chance for us to win. Okay, so there's it's 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 slightly ajar, right? That that door. The door is closed and you can just see a little bit of the of like a glimmer the hand, of light the hand is on the lock <laughs> the hand is turning the lock as we speak uh, especially if we keep dropping matches like this i mean in our last six matches i think we have two draws a loss and three wins i mean that's not good enough if you're no. trying to catch up to a team like man city who puts together an 18 game win streak you cannot afford to drop points at all you know and, and I just think they're kind of untouchable this year, and yeah, I mean they finally gave up. I mean they finally lost that uh that winning streak, and when they drew against Crystal Palace, yeah, you know, nil nil. But um, there's a really awesome picture of Roy Hodgson and Pep just kind of like sitting down next to each other and in extra time and just just kind of talking and chatting and it's just like kind of like a game recognized game type thing, and that was that was kind of cool. But right, enough of the sentimental bullshit. So. You know, this this is not the last time we'll see Arsenal this season, and it's it's not even the last time we'll see them this month. We mm-hmm. actually play them two more times of this month. Got a bow. Yeah, the the first leg is going to be on the tenth, um, and then the second leg uh, is going to be on the twenty fourth. So that first that first leg um, That's crucial. At, it's going to be at Stamford Bridge. I mean, if if you know if today's result to uh to all would have been. A great result if that were a league cup match because of a you know the away goals but you know we're we're going to be playing the first leg at home uh i think this this might be our only chance i mean this in the fa cup mm-hmm. but um i think this might be our one of our only chances to win a trophy this year yeah and um so you know we have to, we need to be on top of our game um and they're, and they're going to be on top of their game as well because I mean I think I think both of us Arsenal and Chelsea fans felt like we deserve to win that yeah match, you know it, it it's was not, one it's of those odd situations where one side was not like oh you know what we got a draw that was a lucky draw like yeah. no both of our teams because I mean we didn't even mention just the 
you know, obviously Bellerin scored in like the 92nd minute. And right as they scored, I was like, we're going to score again. I, I, we're going to score again. This and is then like, the this camera is like, pans and yeah, Marata's 1v1 this is like and fucking another... misses and wide open goal. Uh, and then Zapacos hits the crossbar. God I think I, I think I almost cried a little bit. God damn it. Just give, just give us a second to like calm down a little bit. Sorry, guys. All right, cool. Um, so you have any final thoughts on that game? Um, yeah. Uh, remind me to take a Xanax for the next London Derby. No. Um, I mean, my look, we had 41% possession, and we made really good use of the limited time on the ball. Like I said before, like 19 shots on only 41% possession, six of them on target, not including Murata's sitter, Zapacosa hitting the post. I mean, it should have been eight on target right there. But – all six of our shots on target could have easily gone in on another day. Um, I'm not as disappointed as I thought I would be. Um, but yes, I mean, I do feel like we had no more quality chances and we squandered them and and we, the team, should take responsibility for not picking up all three points today. I don't think it was any outside factor. I don't think it was Arsenal completely outplaying us. It was just a matter of us not putting the ball in the back of the net. Soccer in the simplest form. Yeah, for me, my final my final points. Uh, first one, real quick. I thought uh, Fabregas was going to murder Alexis Sanchez for a second, but it mm. ended up being one of the most aggressive hugs I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> um, that was really nice. Maybe he hugged them and is like, "Come to Chelsea." <laughs> yeah, maybe that that's that'll be a, a contributing factor. I and mean, yeah. uh, my my next thing I want to talk about, um, Anthony Taylor. Uh, he was the the referee during oh, this Chelsea match. fans know who Anthony Taylor is. Yeah, I need I need two explanations, okay? First one, how do you give Fabregas a yellow card um, for that one tackle? When on, on he, Wilshire. When he tackles with his studs down and gets all ball. Like, I understand. I I, I get it. If you didn't see it right and you just thought it was a foul. That's but, what you have your linesman for. But what do you see? I mean, what what did you see that you thought that it warranted a yellow card? And then second... I need this explanation. How, how do you give Victor Moses a red card in the FA Cup final last year for diving, but allow Jack Wilshire, Jack fucking Wilshire, to who dive? A, who has a rap sheet. Yeah, he, he already had a yellow. With a yellow card, they allowed him to dive right outside the box without giving him a double yellow. I mean... If he was sent off right then and there, which I realistically think he should have, I mean, I'm not going to sit here pleading him, saying why the hell wasn't he sent off. But I think there, you know, you could make a case that he should have gone the double yellow. You could, and um, and he would have never scored that first goal. It just baffles me how he'll how he has the balls to make a judgment call like that in a cup final, but not in mm -hmm. a Premier League match. And like it even even sense. the commentary during the game was spot on. Is like, okay, well, if that's not a foul on on Christensen or Conte. Then it it's surely a it's a yellow yeah. on on Wilshire. Like it's either a foul or a dive. It's you not can't in between. Call neither. Yeah. It's not like he just tipped over and lost his balance. Like right. it was a fucking dive. He left his foot in there and he dragged his foot and let Aspie kind of just trip him up a little fucking bit. Fucking Jack Wilshire. I think that was his first goal in his last forty three Premier League games. And last time he scored was May twenty fifteen. And that'll be his last goal in his next forty three Premier uh, League games if he can make it that long. With, he's made out of glass. I hate him. Yeah, me too. Another cyanide pill, please. <laughs>
but non-lethal. Yeah. Actually, maybe this one. This one could be. I've been playing a lot of Call of Duty, and that's just kind of like you know World War II reference right there for you. So So, you caught that. Maybe maybe some mustard gas a little bit. A little bit of mustard gas. Yeah. Um, The ugly. Yeah. 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 Anyways. All right. uh, You said you said the word mustard, and I thought of Arsenal's ugly ass yellow jerseys that they had last (laughs) season, like that odd gold with the diamonds, and I don't know what that was. It looked like someone took a shit and wiped their ass with the jersey. All right, I'm done. I'm well, done. Yeah, so let's go back in time <laughs> a little bit. And, uh, I mean, this was this was earlier in the week, the uh, Stoke match. We won 5-0. Um, not too much to really talk about here. I mean, let's I talk about the starting lineup because there's a lot of rotation going on there, and, and I thought that was interesting. Um, we had Courtois goal. Rudiger playing on the left of the back three. Aspi on the right. Gary Cahill stepping into the middle. Um, for an Andreas Christensen who was nursing a flu of some sorts. Um, Danny Drinkwater and N'Golo Conte. Yes, I called it last week, and I wanted to see it, and we saw a midfield duo with them too. Beautiful. Um, Victor Moses and Alonso out wide, William Pedro and Murata up front. The, that concludes the 3-4-3. Three, three. Wow, I can't talk. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I, I think it's safe to say that Stoke was pretty unenthused, right? Yeah. I think that was the poorest I've seen side play at the bridge in a really long time yeah i mean we dominated it the last time we played them too and i didn't think that we could dominate them anymore and uh, i was wrong we we could have we, we could we did yeah um and you want to you want to start with drink water yeah i mean that was finally scored his first uh first premier league goal for chelsea um interesting stat um from squawka his his first premier goal league goal for lesser city was actually uh, against stoke as well oh, wow. so both of his uh uh, first Premier League goals for each team were against Stoke City, so maybe uh, he had a little bit of a motive uh, to score. But that was that was a great, great shot. Um, he he was he was he. I think he played like a masterclass. You know, like he was pulling all the strings in the midfield. Um, completed 105 passes um, along with four tackles. He's doing it on both so, sides. So yeah, I mean, we we knew that. You know that 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 duo back at Leicester that was a defensive stalwart. But so I mean, seeing that is not much of a surprise. But um, I'm loving I'm loving this transfer now. Um, you know, it was it was tough at the beginning to gauge how good of a transfer it was. I mean, because he was out for a drink while. Drink water for an Emmanuel Matic. Yeah, I mean, at face value, it looks like we got the shitty end. Yeah, of the it's deal. hard it's hard to tell because he was injured for so long. But now. Um, I thought he's. I think he's playing really well. Um, he fits really well into the system too. Like of course, this is yeah. a system where when we do play with two midfielders or three, even it allows one of our midfielders to just kind of play in between the lines and 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 kind of float about wherever he wanted to. And that's what Danny Drinkwater was doing. He's he's kind of like a kind of like a English Sesk, right? When he has the ball at his feet, I mean, he could pick out a pass. Obviously, is. His vision and his range of passing isn't as good as mm-hmm. Sesk, but and I think he's a better goal scorer he, he, too. He does have a little bit about that, a, a, a little bit of that in him, like, mm-hmm. and, and that's that's something that I like about and him. And I think he's a better defender as well, Drinkwater. Yeah. Oh um, my gosh. Yeah. Yeah, but just, just like the ability, day. the ability to kind of uh, control the match from the midfield. I think that you can definitely draw some parallels uh, between his play and Fabregas. Um, but I mean, I I just I love. You know, would you you want to see that? Uh, would you like to see that Conte and drink uh, drink water midfield pairing again sometime soon? Yeah, it's a lot of fun, especially when we're pressing teams high because Danny Drinkwater has this knack for positioning himself so well without you know, without expending much energy and 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 the thing I like about Drinkwater is when he does go into a challenge, I mean he goes in pretty damn hard. 
um, and, and 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 he always leaves a mark on on the uh, on the player who he's tackling, and that's something that I love. You know, there's this there there's this great montage if you ever go to YouTube of of like Jurgen Klopp moments when his team makes a hard challenge and you kind of see him on the sideline like pumping his fists uh-huh. and riling up the crowd. Like Danny Drinkwater is that type of player who makes who who makes managers very very happy in that sense. Like he he's very very committed and he always goes into tackles very hard and. I want to see him get a get a run out. You know, he came in in the Arsenal match just now, and and he performed pretty well. Um, defensively, he was awesome. He was making crucial blocks, putting himself in good positions. I wouldn't mind bringing Sesk on as a super sub every now and then, and then starting with a super defensive Bakayoko and Drinkwater mm-hmm. and uh, N'Golo Kante midfield. Imagine that midfield high pressing a team. It just it would be deadly and, and and it's something that I really want to see. So yeah, I mean I I do want to see him as a midfield pairing. And, and I mean, they won the league together. That you, yeah. you can't argue against that. And I and I dig the three four three as well. I mean with those two in the middle, because um, they could both cover ground. Yeah, I mean it's, I think it's a good balance because when we play a three five two, I mean you saw it today. It's it was very kind of, narrow. Yeah, it's 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 a I think it's a little bit too focused on the defense, and I think you see too much of. Murata playing uh, on the wings, like going out wide, because you know it's either going to be Hazard or him going out wide. And uh, whenever Murata does, you know he doesn't really have the ability to cross the ball. And like you know, Hazard is five foot nothing um, up but, there. He's not going to be able to con- you know score with his head. But that's by design as well. Like, like, I mean, you just said it. It's a defensive setup. Yeah. So when when we go against teams, we're we're relying solely on on on. Fabregas's magic, along with Hazard's pace and Murata's, you know, uh, finishing ability up top. I mean, that's literally what we rely on with this formation. And with the three-four-three, I mean, we get our wing backs a little bit more involved. Alonso starts to interplay with whoever's playing in front of him. Same with Moses; they make overlapping runs. Our two center mids kind of sit a little deeper and just kind of dictate pay, dictate the pace of play and break up play. It does seem a lot more fluid the three four three at times, and, mm-hmm. and and I think it's unfair to say the three five two doesn't work. Yeah, no. But I think the three four three definitely is more attacking, and it's more fun to watch from a fan's standpoint. And I think especially when we play three four three with uh, Pedro and William in, and uh, yeah. well, we can move on to them because um, um, they they I think that three four three suits them perfectly. Yeah, it's, it's tailor made for their style. Of they complement each other really well though too. Like both mm-hmm. their styles of play. Like William likes to drop off and just kind of like link up play and play as like a number 10. And I I said it last week too. Like Pedro has this ability to make the same runs that a 9 does. Mm-hmm. Interesting fact. Pedro has scored 4 out of his last 6 goals outside of the box. Long shot I believe wizard. It. No, I believe that. And Long I shot and William wizard. I don't have the stats up, but William ended up scoring and assisting two goals that, that game, right? He scored one, and I think he assisted two. Yeah, he scored the pen. No. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, but still, he, you know, he is becoming that kind of player where uh, he gets the ball and he does a couple moves to like kind of put the defense on their heels, and you know they don't. He's he's so shifty with the ball, and he's able to pick out that pass to you know another player who the defense is kind of like forgotten about because they're too focused on seeing oh is William gonna cut in left is he gonna you know cross the ball like they I think they make the he makes the defense think a little bit too much and it leaves the guy open where he kind of like wiggles his foot above Uh the ball and just kind of jinks his shoulder one way and making me all giddy inside man he he definitely has that ability to like spring away from a defender for one or two yards to put a ball in the box Mm -hmm. and and that's what made him really successful when he was in Mourinho's side as well like 
kind of stuck him out on a flank and, and kind of put him, you know, at the at the edge of the 18-yard box and beats his defender for two or three yards and spits a ball right across the penalty area. I mean, that's what he's best at. Yeah, and I think William, I think he's he's looks like he's loving life in London right now. Um, he always has, yeah, to be fair. He brushed off those transfer rumors. He restated his allegiance to the Chelsea Football Club. So He's Chelsea through and through. I don't think there's any other way around it. I mean, I, I, how lucky are we to have two players like that on our bench. We, 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 at the beginning of the season, what we talked mostly about, uh, about Man City was how unfair it was for them to have and such a an amazing million dollar transfer on their bench. Yeah. And, uh, you know, honestly, we're, we're not, you know, our bench is, <laughs> is no joke. Second best. Yeah. No, them. I think I it is. We talk about best. how thin our squad is, but you're looking at how Drinkwater performs mm-hmm. and how Zapacosa has been performing. William, Pedro, Oh, our bench is pretty. I mean, we had David Luiz I on to- our bench. I totally forgot about David Luiz. Yeah, I even I forgot he was even on our squad. Um, but you know, obviously with the addition of uh, Rudiger, um, let's let's Rudiger talk a, let's, well, yeah. let's talk a little bit about him because in this match he won three aerial uh, aerial duels. Um, when there wasn't much to be won, because yeah. Stoke really didn't offer. Yeah, I mean, eighty-eight passes completed for a ninety-one percent completion rate. I mean, we we didn't really expect that kind of a. Uh, distribution from him when he came in uh, but i think i think he's one of our most dangerous players on set pieces and he scored that header i think it's um, fair to say yeah i mean what so i mean do you prefer him to cahill or i think that's the question right i, I think that's a question that every chelsea fan has been asking every time rudiger gets a run out um that that left side of our back three is definitely the vacancy at the moment mm-hmm. i think as is the first name on the team sheet every single time and Christensen made that center back position his own. Yeah. So I, I do think it's between Rudiger and Cahill. Eventually Cahill's gonna get usurped by Rudiger by Rudiger. By <laughs> Rudiger because you know, Rudiger is more youthful and he is a ball playing center back. It's just a matter of time, right? Yeah, again, it's another matter of time thing. But with that being said, like I'm not shitting on Cahill whatsoever. He played really well if today. Anything, against Arsenal. I am the biggest Cahill fan because everything the guy's done for us between Champions Leagues, FA Cups, sacrificing his body, um, you know, and and he even got the nod from John Terry, you know, when he tipped his cap to the Chelsea fans and mm-hmm. said, you know what, I'm giving the captain's armband to Cahill. It's his. He deserves it. And, yeah. And I, I kind of want to just make a quick note about this Arsenal match again about because Cahill played. Um, there was just so many times where um, the ball was just sitting in our box, and we could not clear it for some reason. Like just awful clearances. And then as soon as, uh, as soon as Cahill got his foot or his head onto it, it was it was a good was clearance. Um, I mean that's that's the kind of thing that he does really well, and that that's just the difference between an elite defender and uh, you know someone yeah and someone who's who's just playing on the back line. I mean obviously Rudiger is a more glamorous choice because he does have like a little you know he. He has loads of pace, but he also mm-hmm. has that ability to just whip a ball across the length of the whole entire pitch right to someone's foot. Yeah, I mean, he can pick. He can pick those passes off real nice. Yeah, and and, and uh, you know we know Cahill doesn't really have that in his locker, but the thing Cahill has that you're not gonna find in any of our other players on the team at the moment, maybe Aspi, is that is that pure commitment to throw your body, your head, your leg, your arm, your shoulder, whatever body part it may be, in front of the ball to make a block. And that's what I thought you were actually gonna say about the Arsenal match. That right before uh, Bellerin, fucking Bellerin scored that goal, but oh Mustafi had a wide open volley at the top of the box, and we saw two Chelsea players dive at it and make a block. And me and you were arguing. We we're like, "Oh, that was Cahill." Mm-hmm. Like, oh, that was Aspie. And I'm like, "No, that was Cahill." Oh, it was Aspie. We're just going back and forth, and 
They both got up and they turned around and what do you see? Number 28 and 24 mm-hmm. getting up off the floor after making a crucial block. And that's just so nice. That's something that you honestly, you cannot, if you, you have to really, really dip into the transfer window to look for a player like that. Like they do not come cheap and they do not come easy and they don't come around very often. And is that enough of me kissing Cahill's ass? I think everybody gets yeah. a point that, that, that I still think Cahill's a man for the job, but Still, as, yeah, it's a matter of time with right. Rudiger. I still have a lot of confidence. And this in is Rudiger not going to be well. Rudiger's only season on Chelsea, that's no, for sure. Twenty-four so. years old, he's basically the future. So, what are your final thoughts on this match? Um, I don't think Stoke offered a lot. Um, I'm not going to sit on my high. I, I didn't sit on my high horse after I was in Mexico. Actually, I was in Cabo San Lucas. I woke up in the morning. Literally. It was eight o'clock their time. Um, I woke up, turned on my phone. I was still really drunk from the night before I smelled like tequila. Um, my girlfriend's laying in bed laughing at me or, or yelling at me because, you know, I have the sound on, but you know, I watched the first nine minutes and saw two goals go in and I just kind of started dozing off from there. And then I wake up, I'm like, Whoa, it's three, nothing. <laughs> I felt it started dozing off again. Cause obviously I'm still drunk. Then I woke up again. Oh shit. It's four. And then that's when I basically turned it off and said, you know what, I have this recorded at home. I'm gonna watch it. But <laughs> um, they were really poor, and and I haven't seen a team get a get a bare bottom spanking like that since Arsenal a couple of years ago with the six nil. And ironically enough, Mo Salah scored his first goal for us in that match, and then somehow disappeared off the face of the planet until he became a world beater at Liverpool. So yeah, so six nil. That's a uh, thing that might be a, a good prediction for this match coming up on the tenth. Um, so. For, I, I don't have anything to add beyond uh, I just really, really have so much respect for Danny Drinkwater, and I'm really excited to see how uh, Conte figures out how to implement him better. Do you ever see Danny Drinkwater's uh, comments after the match? No, I don't. He, he seems like a totally relaxed dude. Like, I don't have mm-hmm. the exact quote in front of me, but, like, they asked him, like, uh, how was the goal? And, and he, his response was something along the lines of, like, oh, like I just fl- I just flung my foot at it and and it flew into the back of the net like you know it was a great to get my like first that. goal like <laughs> it was just great to get my first goal like that's it like he scored like if I scored a goal like that I would be sprinting down the field with mm-hmm. my pants and my shirt off and <laughs> around and this guy just kind of turns around and he you know he just gave like one like big fist pump and then that's it. that was it so it's good to have guys like that on a team because you could tell Danny Drinkwater is not one of those players where he's gonna bitch about playing time he's not mm-hmm. like that. He's not going to bitch about another player having the spotlight. He's going to be that guy that does everything that doesn't st- show up on the stat sheet. Very, very similar to N'Golo Conte, which is why I think they're so successful at Leicester. And I, th- I think, I think, and uh, Zappa Costa, his goal, um, he did oh, those. He did the little uh, Mario, Mario jump. jump yeah, right? and he posted a picture on Instagram afterwards. Uh, that I was think, awesome. I think Zappa's got the better jump. I think that, that was the question: who, who did it better? Zappa does have the better jump, but yeah. uh, who has the the better haircut though? Because Danny Drinkwater's haircut was pretty. <laughs> was pretty. It's bad. on fire. Yeah, he's, he's got he's got that moose game down. Moose game. Yeah. <laughs> It looks he like he has like very little hair, but he still mooses it it's straight like a, down. It's like it's like he it's like he sat down on the barber's chair. It's like, what can I do for you? Okay, give me a bowl cut. All right, gives him a gives him a bowl it's cut. Like, I then, changed my mind. He goes, I changed my through. mind. I, w- <laughs> I actually wanted a taper. Yeah, and I was like, let that. me see what I can do. I got you. Like that's definitely. Oh, uh, change like. it one more time. He's like, oh, I want a comb over too. Okay, is that cool? It's like, yeah, I got you, fam. Zappa might need some some hair implants. Got you, fam. Low key too. So upcoming fixture, we got our. First FA Cup match uh, against Norwich. Well, not first, but oh, and then we drew them. So yeah, 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 yeah. sorry, it was first. Yeah, 
uh, of the knockout stage. Um, so, you know, obviously they're they're a second second league team, but FA Cup is notorious for having um, second league teams just make insane runs at yeah. winning a trophy. So I'm not I'm not gonna sit here and say that. You know, our, Chelsea's going to lose this match. I'm also not going to say that Chelsea is going to dominate them. Okay, it's because not going to be easy. Yeah, I, I, I really don't know what what it is about the FA Cup. There's something about it that just, just gives these second me. league, just gives these second league teams uh, just like a lot of hope and just a lot of uh, angst to play above their level. Um, but what do you think? How do you how do you think this game's going to end I'm up? Pretty sure Norwich is at home, right? Um, I I can look that up for you, but well, because. I mean, here's the way I'm looking at it is, like you said, the FA Cup is very, un, uh, you know, it's, it's hard to predict. And uh, a team like Norwich, who just got relegated recently, that it still at, has... It's at Norwich. It's at Norwich. So they're going to be up for it. Um, but but that but that's a team that, you know, they have a lot of remnants of Premier League players that were on the team when they were in the Premier League. And, mm-hmm. and those are the players that could hurt us. Um, you know, so... We'll see what happens. I, I I still think uh, I still think we have enough to uh, to get past them. I, I I think it'll be a tough one, but it'll be like a two nil Chelsea win. I think we'll go three four three Pedro Lillian and Michi up top. Yeah, I was, uh, that's actually the question I was gonna ask. Here's, Do you think we're gonna see Michi get the start and then here's the rest, rest Morata? Maybe we start Morata and have him get that goal for his confidence <laughs> moving forward because. For me right now, the most important thing is Murata getting his confidence back. Because mm-hmm. if we don't have him, I mean, we're, we're done for. Yeah, I mean, I th- for me, I I would like to see Mishi get the start. I mean, maybe we can. I th- we we have seen a couple of times where um, we had Mishi start and Murata come in as a sub. Yeah, um, early I mean, on. Most in the of the half. most of the time, that was because we were like Chasing. tied or yeah or or down. Um, in a game that we should be winning, um, but uh, I think that I think that what you said is right. Um, I think having Murata play and, and try to score a goal um, and get his confidence up is nice. But you know, it's only four games before the the Arsenal match, so maybe a bit of rest also wouldn't hurt him. Um, but either way, I think uh, I think the Arsenal I think Chelsea uh, finishes this one. Um, we. Uh, we get the win, maybe two, three nil. Yeah, yeah. I mean, because Courtois has been playing out of his mind. And lately. you look at the form of Pedro and Willian too. So yeah. Like regardless of whether we start Michi or Murata up top, I mean, there's they're gonna provide something against a, a weaker mm-hmm. side. And I'm kind of bummed that uh, Courtois wasn't able to keep a clean sheet today. Um, that strike by Jack Wilshere was a lucky deflection to his feet, but I mean, such a nice strike. And then Bellerin again, another crazy strike from outside. Did, didn't he score? A goal against us uh, earlier this season too, or Bellerin? was it? Yeah. No. All right. Well, I'm 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 thinking of something else. But uh, all I know is, uh, if we did keep that clean sheet, it would have been we would have been the first team this season to keep five consecutive clean sheets oh. in the league. So that's kind of a bummer. Huge bummer. Um. So now let's get into this Arsenal match. Um. It's gonna be the first leg. Um. Of the Carabao Cup semifinals. Um. We're playing at Stamford Bridge. Um, what do we need to do <laughs> better than we did today in order to win? There's three things we need to do. Okay, and the first one I think is pretty obvious. I think Morocco everyone knows. Needs a fucking score. Of yeah, goal. I think everyone knew you're gonna one say one goal, one goal. That's it. If he scores one goal, 
between those two legs, I will be happy. That should be enough to get us over the line because the Arsenal team we played today was not good. Like uh, that back line at least was awful. The back line was terrible. And and as far as I know, I know Monreal's out for an extended period of time, and so is Koscielny. And you know they're, they're going to be struggling um, at putting bodies in the back line. Um, but that's one. I think uh, I think our wing backs need to show up again. I think it's absolutely crucial. Um, Alonso kind of grew into his own in the second half of this game, and, and Zapacosta, obviously his impact was immense as well. So our wingbacks need to outplay theirs again. And then lastly, I think Conte learned his lesson. I think the midfield three against Arsenal is the way to go, at mm-hmm. least to start, because every time we played 3-4-3, three, three, our midfield just got absolutely beaten. Um, so start with that midfield three, and then uh, you know move on from there. Maybe go to 3-4-3 three, three later on in the game when they start to tire out, but for that game, I mean, I'm probably going to go – it's at the bridge. I'm going to go 1-0. I think it's been really tight between our two teams lately. And I, I think that we absolutely we absolutely need to ensure that they don't score an away goal on us. Um, do away goals count in mm-hmm. the Carabao Cup? Yeah. Do they count for, for – I'm pretty sure that they do. Or is that only in two, I think I think it, it probably does because we played two legs. Um, but, yeah, you, you should look that up to make sure. I'm looking it up right um, now. So – I think what you said is exactly right. Um, I do, I do think that maybe depending on how the match is playing, um, we can take out one of our center backs or maybe even take out uh, our one of our wing backs and slide. Um, oh, away goals do count, right? But yeah. they, yep. But so they only come into effect at the end of extra time. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Not. Not. Uh, not regular time. Oh, really? Like, like the yeah. So like in Champions League, like you could finish a match in the 90th minute and win on away goals, whereas the EFL Cup, you could you you go to extra time and then if oh, okay. worst comes to worst, there's no penalty. Okay, it just goes down. That's okay. what it says right here. It's it's from the Sun, so it goes away goals do count in the EFL, but crucially they only come into effect at the end of extra time. Okay, well. Anyway, uh, either way, I think that keeping a clean sheet is a is a good strategy. Either way, um, and you know, I think the one thing that needs to happen um, is, of course, we need Murata to kind of get his head out of his ass um, and not not dwell on this game because I know he had so many chances to finish. Um, he does look mentally beat as well, and that's something that's very concerning at the end of this game. He just looked like he was completely out of ideas. But, you know, th- there's there's still hope for him, and um, I'm, I haven't given completely given up to him. I, th- I mean, on him, I think that would be foolish to just completely think that he's done for the rest of the season. So so what do um, you think? Two, I think uh, either one or two nil. You know? I have to. I have to predict the win. There's do you no think? Uh, do you think we'll see a Wenger touchline ban based on his comments <laughs> against West Brom and now his comments here? I don't think that. I don't think they would. I they mean, are reviewing it, right? Apparently, so hopefully he gets a touchline ban and uh, the oh, zipper. We're gonna miss the zipper. The zipper, yeah. Arson, the zipper Wenger. Um, it's a bummer. Yeah, so he could. Uh, I don't have to see his ugly ass sitting on Arsenal's bench. Just rotting like a piece of French molding cheese. Um, That's a great way to put it. Yeah. Anyways, um, I mean, I think that pretty much wraps it up for this week. Obviously, I wish this podcast could have been a little bit more upbeat, and I, th- I wish it could have been a talking about a two-one win 
with or Alonso scoring a match winner, or a 3-2 with Maratha scoring a match winner, or, or a 3-2 Zappa with Zappa Costa <sighs> winner, or a 5-5, which is what the game honestly should have been. Um, or a 6-0, which would have been a great 2. I agree, yeah. But, you know, it is what it is, and we move on. As Chelsea fans, like we still have a lot more in our future to look forward to than Arsenal does. And it so wasn't like a waste of time. It was a very enjoyable match, was, you know. It, as an as a neutral, if I was watching that match, that was would have been one of the most exciting matches of the season. No without a doubt. But obviously we're not neutrals, so it was painful and irritating. And the worst match of all time, right? And and yeah. I must have sweat out like at least two gallons of water and <laughs> I lost my voice. And I gotta go coach my club team now. Good luck with that. And and those little kids need to be screamed at. Yeah, they need it. to be screamed at. Otherwise, they won't. They won't uh, do what we need to do. So, um, anyways, I mean, like I said, that wraps it up. Do you have anything else, Sam? That's it. That's all. Make sure you look for us on uh, SoundCloud, on iTunes, on Twitter. Um, and I also, I just actually wanted to point out that we didn't really talk about anything about this transfer window because there isn't really much going on. But hopefully, by next episode. There's going to be a lot more chat about it, and we'll get into it more next week. I mean, if you look into it, like there are a couple names being spun around, but nothing too, too serious. Mm-hmm. So we will have a transfer pod coming up. Don't worry. We're working on it. It's really early on in the window. Mm-hmm. Knowing Chelsea, we're probably not going to do anything till the end anyways. We're probably going to overpay for someone that we don't need. Love it. But that's why we love the club so much. So um, until then, make sure you follow us. Make sure you tweet at us. Shout out to Chelsea Eric. Um, and shout out to Chris from Denmark. You guys have been tweeting us back and forth. It's been awesome. Did he answer um, any of our questions that we asked him in the last part? No, he didn't answer the Boxing Day question. Oh. But but Chelsea Eric did uh, mention that someone needs to make a meme of uh, or a gif of uh, Murata's head on his feet. Um, maybe if we start spinning that picture around the web, um, maybe he'll start scoring some goddamn goals because, like, come on, man. Come on, it's man. It's getting ridiculous. Come on, man. But uh, anyways, let's hope uh, that we get the the right result against Norwich and look forward to uh, beating Wenger on the 10th. So until then, keep the blue flag flying high and up the Chelsea.